Sometimes Lord Krishna talks as Ishvara. Sometimes he talks as Brahman. Here, Taddhama Paramam Mama, that is my Paramam Dhama, that is my supreme abode, that is my ultimate nature, which is the light, which is awareness. Here, Lord Krishna talks as Param Brahma. By Param Brahma means Nirgunam Brahma, Nirvishesham. So, Ishvara is Saguna Brahma or Savishesha Brahma. Brahma with all the Visheshas and Gunas would be called Ishvara. And Brahman, which is beyond the Gunadan, is his Nirvishesham Brahma. So, that Nirvishesham, devoid of any Vishesha, devoid of any kind of qualifications or attributes, that alone can be Paramam. So, that alone can be limitless, which is devoid of any kind of an attribute, because any attribute will make a thing limited. And so, that is my ultimate abode, that is my nature, of the nature of light, awareness, the self. Only one thing is of the nature of awareness, and that is self. Only one thing is consciousness, that is myself. Everything else is the object of the consciousness, and that is object of consciousness, is illumined by consciousness, is inert. Everything else is inert. The only thing that is conscious and consciousness is myself. And therefore, Lord Krishna says, that is my abode, that is my nature, which is consciousness, which means that, that is nothing but the self. <coughs> How, the sun does not illumine that, nor does the moon, nor does the fire. All these conventional luminaries, they do not illumine. That means the self or the awareness does not require to be illumined by these luminaries. Because it is self-effulgent. The idea is, how do we know? How, how does the knowledge of self take place? So, the knowledge of his object such as a ghatta, like an object, like a part. So, how does it take place? When I perceive this object through the object of perception, in this case through the organ of perception, in this case eyes. So, when the consciousness riding through my eyes contacts this part and then a thought of the shape of the part takes place in my mind. This part is not self-revealing. This part is what we call inert. Inert is a technical word. Jada is a technical word. Not in the sense of inert that we use in our day-to-day language. Here, in our day-to-day language, sentient and inert, these are the categories. However, when we say word inert or jada in Vedantic sense, jada is that which is paraprakashyam, that which is illumined by any something else, that which cannot reveal itself. So, part falls in this category. Even my body also falls in this category. Mind, everything falls in that category that they cannot reveal themselves. They require the light of awareness to illumine them. So, objects such as a part, ghata, pata, all these objects require the light of awareness to illumine them. Then alone they can become the object of my awareness. If this part is not illumined by the awareness riding through my eyes, there is no way that part will become the object of my knowledge. So many the world is full of various objects. They don't become the object of my knowledge unless there is a contact awareness with them. Any awareness contacts them through the appropriate sense organ, then alone they become the object of awareness. Thus, all the objects of the world require awareness to reveal them. And that's the reason why we require to use our organs of perception and, and our mind. There are certain other things like my emotions, like my thoughts. Now I don't have to perceive them, but they also require to be eliminated by awareness. And therefore all of, they, all of them fall in the category of what we call jada or inert. <coughs> and self is altogether a different category. It is not inert, it is self-effulgent. It does not require any other awareness to illumine awareness. Awareness is self-illuminating, self-revealing. And that is what is meant by saying that the sun or the moon or the fire or the standard luminaries do not illumine that. <coughs> because it is... So these luminaries are required to illumine the objects of the world. These luminaries are not required to illumine the self because it is self-luminous or self-revealing. <coughs> The Surya, Sun, the Moon and the Fire, at what we call the Adhidaivik level, at the level of the, the cosmic level, are regular Sun, Moon and Fire, the various luminaries. <coughs> at the Adhyatmic level, 
At the level of self also, these words sun, moon and fire have a meaning. They are the presiding deities of corresponding functions in our body. As well as sun is the presiding deity for the function of sight. It is only by the light of sun that my eyes can perceive and only when the grace of sun is there that my eyes can see. So sun stands for the eyes. So sun at the cosmic level stands for the eyes at the individual level. The moon is said to be the presiding deity of mind. That's why moon is said to be the cosmic mind. Sun is said to be the cosmic eyes. So moon stands for the principle of mind because moon is the presiding deity of the mind. The fire. Anybody remember the fire is the presiding deity of what? Organ of speech. So fire spells because the fire emerges from the mouth of the Lord. Chandrama manaso jataha chakso suryo ajayata mukhadindras chagnischa Chandrama manasaha jataha it is said that the moon is born of the cosmic mind. Chakshaho Surya Hajayata. The sun is said to be born of the cosmic eyes. Cosmic eyes, eyes of the Lord. Mukha Indras Chagnascha. From Mukha, the mouth, where emerge Agni and Indra. The fire and Indra, both of them emerge from the mouth. So fire is the, the mouth. Mouth means the speech here. So fire is the presiding deity of speech. Sun is the presiding deity of the eyes. Moon is the presiding deity of the mind. So when he said the sun and the moon and the fire cannot illumine the self, it means the eyes and the mind and the speech cannot illumine the self. That's what it means. Where eyes stand for all the organs of perception. That self of the Atma cannot become the object of knowledge of organs of perception. The Atma cannot be objectified with the organs of perception. Naturally. That the eyes are able to see because of the self. What is it that enables eyes to see? What is it that makes it conscious? It is the self because of it eyes can see. Because of the ears can hear. That is why in Kyanopanishad said, Shrotrasya Shrotram, Manasaha Manoyat, Vachoha Vacham, So Pranasya Prana, Chakshushaha Chakshuho. It is that which illumines the Shrotra, the ears. It is that which illumines the mind, and that which illumines the eyes, that which illumines all these faculties because of which they are able to see. The question was, what is it because of which the eyes see? What is it because of which the ears hear? The answer was, it is the self, because of which the eyes can see, ears can hear, mind can think. Naturally, when somebody tries to meditate upon the Atma and wants to have the wants to know, see the Atma, the usual attempt is to try to visualize Atma. Either I want to see the Self or, the, or Atma or Brahman through my eyes or experience it through my organs of perception or I want to visualize it through my mind or I want to describe it. And so this verse says, no, as can open it, says, na tatra chakshur gachadi, na vaggachadi, na manaha. There the eyes do not reach, the speech do not reach, nor the mind reaches. Yadvacha anabhidam yenavaga bhyunyate, that which cannot be revealed by the speech, but that because of which the speech is revealed. Yad manasar manute yena ahuru manomatam, that which cannot be thought of by the mind, but that because of which the mind thinks. See how beautiful it is. Usually my attention is to that which the mind thinks. My preoccupation is what the eyes see, what the mind thinks, what the speech talks, speaks. So Upanishad says rather than that, shift the focus of your attention to not what the mind thinks, but because of which the mind thinks. Not what the eyes see, but because of which the eyes see. Not what the speech reveals, because of which the speech is revealed. So go from the very object to the subject. So that is what is meant here. That Lord Krishna says that when you attempt to know me, don't try to see me. Not that Surya, the eyes cannot illumine that. So don't try to see me through your eyes or organs of perception. This fire also cannot illumine that. The fire here stands for the organ of speech in all organs of action. Don't try to grasp me with organs of action. Or don't try to describe me in the words. Oh, don't try to look at me as the meaning of a given word. 
nor the moon can illumine. That means that even the mind cannot objectify it. So Swamiji, then if the, the mind also cannot know, mind knows it. Understand? The knowledge takes place in the mind, but not in a conventional way. See, when this object is known, then the mind visualizes the object, objectifies. The Atma of the Self never becomes an object of the mind. It's not that mind visualizes the Atma, just as mind can visualize other things, mind cannot visualize the Self. The very visualizer, the one who uses the mind is the Self, and therefore, mind knows, but knows as the very Self. Knowledge does take place in the mind. That's why earlier verse said, Nirmana moha jita sangadoshaha. The mind that is an extrovert mind cannot know the self. The mind but that is prepared in this way. Nirmana moha. That mind that is free from mana and moha. Jita sangadoshaha. The mind that is free from the dosha, the evil of sangha. Adhyatma nityaha. The mind that is dedicated to the contemplation upon the self. Vinivrutta kamaha. The mind that is free from the desires. Dvandvaihi vimuktaha, the mind that does not come under the sway of the dvandva, the pairs of opposites. It is that mind that sees. So really when adhikaritvam or the, the preparedness is described, it is nothing but in the form of the mind. It is the mind that is... See, where is the man and moha? The pride and, and the delusion is in the mind only. Where is attachment and aversion also in the mind and from there it has to go. So that mind that is thus prepared, that is the mind that sees. So Lord Krishna says that don't try to see me through your eyes, don't try to grasp me through the organs of action, don't try to visualize me by the mind, understand that I am, know me as a very illuminator of the mind. Not as an objective mind, very illuminator of the mind, illuminator of the speech, illuminator of the eyes, as a very subject, as a very awareness. Yad gatvana nivartande, knowing which, knowing the self is the illuminator of all. And knowing the self, therefore, as devoid of any boundaries, devoid of any limitations, because the awareness doesn't have any form. That which illumines all the forms doesn't have a form. The light that illumines all the colors is without the color. The light that illumines the forms is devoid of the forms. Similarly, also awareness that illumines all the thoughts of the mind, all the forms, all the attributes, itself is devoid of all the attributes. Here, you know, when you know me to be such, then there is no returning back, then all my complexes are gone. So when I recognize myself as a plain awareness, understand when it's awareness, it also means ananda. Such chit and ananda all go together. Sometimes the knowledge is, in the, sometimes the chit or awareness is emphasized. Sometimes sat is emphasized. Sometimes ananda is emphasized. Taking one of the things for the purpose of inquiry, however, when one is there, rest are all there. So when I know myself as awareness, I know myself as existence, I know myself as fullness. It's just known together. Because when I know myself as awareness, awareness has no boundaries. It's boundlessness also. And boundlessness is fullness. And what kind of fullness? Uncreated. That's why it is such. So such is Ananda here, Arjuna, when you come to your, know yourself as nothing but Brahman, when such is Ananda, Nanivardante, then you become free from all the complexes and then you are free from grief and free from all delusion once and for all. That is what, that is what is meant by saying that. Uh, but again, Yad Gattva Nanivardante, reaching where they do not return. So, when these kind of words are used, Yad Gattva, Reaching where? It seems to create an impression in our mind that you have to reach that Atma. You have to reach Brahman. And when you reach something, then you will, you will also come back. The rule is that when you reach somewhere, so uh, all, all reaching, when you go someplace, there is also to be returned. When you rise, there is going to be fall. When there is association, when you rise, you have to fall down, because whatever it is that enables you to rise and stay there, when that force is not there, one comes down. So thus, if I reach Brahman, then definitely I will come back also. How can Lord Krishna say, Yad Gatvana Nivartande, reaching where they do not return, this is a contradiction, understand? 
reaching where they do not return. Because if you reach, there is going to be return. So what is this reaching? Lord Krishna wants to clarify that this primary sense. As we said, here reaching only means knowing. But if there is something which I already have and I do not know, then I have to know that. Like the tenth man. The tenth man doesn't do reach the tenth man. Tenth man has to know himself to the tenth man. Therefore, in case of what we call the praptasya praptahi, the accomplishment of what is already accomplished. The freedom that I am seeking is already accomplished because that is my nature. The fullness that I am seeking is already accomplished because that is my nature. If it is my nature and still I find bound, that means that there is some obstacle which is what we call ignorance. So why this creation? Ignorance. What, you know, why? The only answer that Vedanta has for the why. Why this creation? Ignorance. Had there been no ignorance, there would be no creation. Any kind of a creation takes place out of ignorance. Any kind of an activity takes place out of ignorance. Unless it's a play, that's all. Other than play. Play is the only activity that takes place out of knowledge. That is, an actor can actually play the role of a beggar, knowing fully well he's not beggar, that's an exception. But we don't call it a real, it's not a real beggar. But any kind of an activity otherwise takes place out of ignorance. Creation also is an activity. What's the cause of this creation? Ignorance. Why ignorance? Then naturally the next second question is, why ignorance? As we said, this question why is only in the realm of ignorance again. Questioning also takes place because of ignorance. You don't understand? If any activity takes place because of ignorance, questioning also is an activity that takes place because of ignorance. And that question can be answered only when ignorance is not there. <coughs> but in any ways, anyway, what separates me from Brahman is nothing but ignorance. And that's what Lord Krishna wants to say. That this reaching is not reaching in a primary sense, it is reaching only in the sense of knowledge. <coughs> and thus, in the next verses now, Lord Krishna wants to reveal the identity between this Jiva and Brahman. So in the next few verses, we have the description of what is a samsari. How Brahman comes to... Who is Swami in samsari? Who is being born? Who is dying? Who is suffering? Who is bound? Who is going to be released? There is only one entity and that is Brahman. Therefore we only have to say that poor Brahman is only being born and dying and he is bound and he is going to be released. How can it be? Because of ignorance. How can Brahman that is limitless become bound and feel limited? Ignorance. How can the tenth man, he is already tenth man, how can he search for himself? Ignorance. How can I find myself searching for a bunch of keys when it's already with me? In my hand sometimes I may be doing and I am looking for the keys. Ignorance. It is because of ignorance that Brahman, God, becomes a samsari, as though becomes a samsari. The one good thing is that ignorance never really uh, creates anything tangible. It only creates an appearance. Ignorance creates an appearance of snake, not a real snake. Never any creation out of ignorance is always going to appear, never a real creation. And if it is said that the whole creation is out of ignorance, then whatever that is, is nothing but appearance, never anything real. Therefore, that jiva is created, you can say. Brahman was born as Jiva, you can say, out of ignorance. That means Jiva is an appearance. And that's what Lord Krishna uh, describes here in, 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 in his own ways. <coughs> say the seventh verse. Mamai Vamsho Jiva Loke Mamai Vamsho Jiva Loke Jiva Bhutas Sanatanaha Jiva Bhutas Sanatana Manashashthani Indriyani Manashashthani Indriyani Prakritisthani Karshati Prakritisthani Karshati Mama Eva Amshaha This is a very confusing verse and a verse which has created a lot of debates. Mama Eva Amshaha so that's why people even when, after listening to Vedanta also, they always, <coughs> when they ask questions, Swamiji, <coughs> Vedanta says that 
I am a part of God. <coughs> Vedanta does not say that. But somehow that idea that I am a fraction, I am a part of God has become so deeply rooted that that's what we hear. If Vedanta only says that you are, you are not part of God because God cannot be partitioned. If God could be partitioned, then of course there can be part, but He cannot be partitioned. There cannot be partitions in space, even though we may give different names to the space, we call it hall space and then the lobby space and the outside space, all kinds of designations we may give to the space and a part space and a fan space and so forth, but in fact the space cannot be divided. It is for our own convenience that we give name to the space, space cannot be divided. So these walls create an appearance of spaces within these walls, but that is not so. In fact, as we said, the walls are within the space. But it's a matter of perception. If I give reality to the walls, if my attention is focused on the walls, then it looks as though the space is within the walls. When I shift the focus of attention to space, then I realize that the spaces, the walls are within the space. You know, sometimes it happens at night. In Atma Bodha, this example is given. How a child calls mother and says, Mom, look at this. You know, in a cloudy night, the moon was shining, but there were clouds. And she says, Mom, look, moon is running. Moon was running. Mother says, yeah, that's right. What is running is, the clouds are running. Whenever, and you see, whenever attention is focused on the clouds, it will look as the moon is running, really. It will look. Sometimes, Sometimes when you take your car too close, sometimes into the water, because sometimes you go, you know, the, 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 the shore is very, you know, you can take your car all the way. It has happened that your car is in the water. And you know, at the bank, I mean, the water keeps on coming and going, looks as the car is moving. Literally you feel that you are yourself shaking. In the car is steady, and this water, but it depends on where your attention is. Sometimes in India, when two trains are standing, you know, side by side, and you are sitting in one train, looks like your train has started moving, then you look the other side, it's the other train that is moving. But it looks as though your train is moving. This is called Adhyasa, superimposition. How, for example, to us, more familiar example is that of sun. How the sun appears to be moving from east to west? This is a classical example of Adhyasa, superimposition. What is superimposed upon what? It's the movement of our motion of earth that is superimposed upon the sun. And sun that is stationary appears to be moving because the motion of the earth is superimposed upon the sun. So how superimposition can create all these delusions? Can create all these wrong, wrong notions? <coughs> Similarly also, in fact as we said, that just as space cannot be partitioned, so also Brahman cannot be partitioned. God can only partition, and still he says, Mama Eva Amshaha. Amsha, Amsha means a part or a fraction, a small fraction of mine. Mama Eva, mine alone, not somebody else's. Mama Eva Amshaha. Jiva Bhutaha is of the nature of Jiva. Jiva means individual being, individual self, individual soul, whatever you call it. So what we call this individual soul or the individual jiva or the individual self is nothing but mama amshaha, my part. What do you mean your part? We thought that you are indivisible, Lord. Because imagine if the really Lord is partition, then what remains of Lord now? If every little creature is an amsha or a part of the Lord, then that means that Lord is totally split. And as more creatures are being born, I guess he's being partitioned more and more, what remains of God? He's not around to say also Mahayamsa, because what happens? So you are not only not divided, you're indivisible. Space is indivisible. So also Brahma or awareness is indivisible. All divisions are within awareness. So how do you Lord say that it is your Amsha? So we only have to say, Amshaha Iva Amshaha as though a fraction of mine, as though a part of mine. And and then Lord Krishna clarifies himself. See, this is a verse that is classically quoted by the people who followed Dvaita on the duality and say, look, Lord Krishna himself says that Jiva is a part. But in this verse also Lord Krishna says, 
लास्ट वर्ड इन द फर्स्ट लाइन सनातन एन इटर्नल पार्ट ऑफ माई सनातन अंश है स्वांश है इज सनातन है सनातन मीन्स वर्ड इटर्नल इमेजिन हाउ कैन अ पार्ट बी इटर्नल एनीथिंग दैट इज पार्टिशन इज गोइंग टू पैरिश अ पार्ट इज दैट विच हैज टू कम टू एन एंड समाइम वेन यू कट समिंग इन द पार्ट एवरी पार्ट विल समे कम टू एन एंड लॉर्ड कृष्णा से सनातन है दिस पार्ट ऑफ माइंड विच इज जीवा इज सनातन है इटर्नल दैट मीन्स दैट इट इज नॉट रियली अ पार्ट बिकॉज समथिंग टू बी इटर्नल इट हैज टू बी पार्टलेस so then why should lord krishna use the amsha only because that's how i feel i feel that i am a spark of consciousness so it is necessary to explain our experiences not dismiss our experiences in as much as each one of us feels as separate from everybody else and we also feel that i am a spark of consciousness that consciousness is limited only to this body and therefore if a bullet passes above my head nothing happens to me because I am confined only to the periphery of the body, and the consciousness that I am is only confined to this periphery, and consciousness that you are is confined to that periphery, and therefore it is only—I mean, this thought that I am a limited being, that I am a part of consciousness, that I am a spark of consciousness or limited consciousness—is so deeply rooted that Lord Krishna also explained that here, Arjuna, what you look upon as part is not really part. It is Sanatana, is eternal, it is undivided, and therefore that it is only a notion arising from superimposition. Just as, as we say, just as you superimpose the motion of the sun, earth upon the sun, and think that the sun is moving, so also we superimpose these walls upon the space and feel the space is divided, and so also here. We feel that the atma, the consciousness, is divided. When do we feel consciousness is divided? Just as when I look at the walls, it looks as though space is divided, and so also when I look at the body, it looks as though consciousness is divided. So when my attention is focused upon the walls, how the space appears divided. Similarly, also when my attention is focused upon the body, it looks as though the consciousness is divided, and I feel consciousness is within the body. In fact, body is within the consciousness. Just as the walls are within the space, so also the body itself is within the consciousness. Not only this body; all the bodies are objects of my consciousness. So con- that which is limitless has to be also indivisible. That has to be partless. And therefore, Lord Krishna says, "Hey Arjuna, this jiva thinks that he is a part of me. In fact, it's Sanatana. He is no different from me." Thus, this in one sentence, Lord Krishna, in fact, declares the identity. Understand? By using the word Sanatana, Sanatana means eternal. That means limitless. And you amsha, amsha means a part. That part is nothing but eternal. So, one who looks upon oneself as a part is, in fact, eternal. Is in fact limitless. And therefore, all that is necessary to reach the limitless is that we should become free from the notion of being a part. That's all. All that is necessary in our life is to become free from the notion of smallness. One does not become free from smallness because there is no smallness in the self, and where the smallness is, nobody can become free. But then the the smallness of the self that is thought of, all you have to do is to become free from the notion of smallness. <clears throat> anyway, unfortunately, because of ignorance, as we said, Brahman. Takes itself to be the part of consciousness. Consciousness says that I am a part of consciousness. Understand? How can it be, Swami? That's how it is. What does it do? Who does it? Maya. That's why we call it Maya. Ignorance is called Maya. Also, because makes the impossible. Swami, again, you want the word Maya. So whenever we use the word Maya, they feel that we are avoiding answer. It's an answer. It's not avoiding the answer. What is Maya? Maya is that aghati the ghatana apatiyasi, that which makes impossible possible, or that which creates an appearance of something which is not there, and therefore it is Maya that makes that Maya that depends upon the awareness, makes the awareness look as though it is limited, and thus because of ignorance I take myself to be limited, and then I become a transmigrating soul, then I go from one embodiment to the other. and that's the process that lord krishna 
further described day-to-day Vedanta. Vedanta in daily life, this day-to-day thing is described now by Lord Krishna. Let us read the next verse also to understand the second line of this verse. Shariram yadavapnoti Shariram yadavapnoti Yacha pyutkramati shvaraha Yacha pyutkramati shvaraha Gruhitvaitani sanyati Gruhitvaitani sanyati Vayur gandhani vashayad Vayur gandhani vashayad Shariram yadavapnoti Yacha pyutkramati shvaraha When the master leaves the body so that line is to be taken the second line of the seventh verse. Manasasthani indriyane prakritisthani karsati This jiva, the soul of the atma, draws into himself the organs along with the mind. So point is when this self departs this body. What do you mean Swami self departing the body? You said atma is all pervasive. How can it depart? Who can depart? That Atma that thinks itself to be small, that is the one that departs. How does the notion of smallness come? Because of identification of the body. And when we use the word body, understand there are two kinds of bodies. There are two bodies here. One is what we call the gross body, other is the subtle body. A body within the body, that is called subtle body. What is called gross? That which is the object of perception is called gross. And that which cannot be perceived by the sense of perception is called subtle. So this body is called gross body because it is an object of perception. Within this body, that is the mind, there is what we call subtle body, consisting of the mind and the sense organs of perception, organs of action, these pranas, all these various faculties which are subtle, which means they cannot be perceived, all of them together is called subtle body. So, yachyapi utkramati, when this person leaves, when the jiva leaves this body, that is when the death takes place. What happens when the death takes place? Manasasthani indriyani prakritisthani karsati. This jivatma draws unto himself the subtle body. Subtle body consisting of the mind and sense organs and everything else. Although Lord Krishna mentions only five organs of perception in the mind, that is six. But in fact, we should also we should include the whole subtle body. That means subtle body consisting of the mind. And mind includes all this manha, buddhi, chitta, mahankar, everything. And also the uh, organs of perception, organs of action, and the vital forces, prana, all these things. That is called subtle body. He takes it with himself. Shariram yadavapnodi, and he takes up a new body. Gruhitva etane sanyadi. So when he departs from this body and acquires a new body, he takes all this baggage with him. He doesn't go alone. He takes all the baggage with him and goes to the other one. And so this transmigration can be compared to a, a person traveling in trains in India. Imagine a person going from Kashmir to Kanyakumari. He has to change the trains in half a dozen places. So from Kashmir now he's going for a yatra to Kanyakumari with lot of baggage. He, he boards the train and comes to some place, Pathan Kod, I guess, where he is to change the train. All, along with baggage he gets down, not alone. He doesn't leave the baggage in the train, he gets down along with the baggage. And when he enters the next train, with the baggage he enters. And in India what happens is while you are traveling the train, there are many vendors that also come, they also come in the trains. And when you are traveling a train, train wait, stops at many stations and a lot of things are there, a lot of food articles are there, a lot of other, every, every place has its own specialty. And so these passengers have nothing else to do. So you know what they do? They keep buying a few things here, you know, fruits and some lot of snacks and other, other things, you know, they keep on buying. Some of these they eat and some of them they accumulate. So the baggage actually increases. Some baggage is utilized, some baggage increases. And now when he leaves this train and goes to other train, along with the baggage. When he travels to the next train, he eats away some food and again acquires some more. 
And that's how the baggage keeps on growing and growing and growing from one train to the other. Except he never reaches in this case. This is so, this embodiment is this train where I already came into baggage. In, in course of this life, I exhaust all the baggage in terms of my karma and I accumulate more by performing karma and all that baggage is stored in my subtle body. Along with that, I go to new embodiment. And the new embodiment. When will that Kanyakumari come? I do not know. There, of course, in India, you can reach from Kashmir to Kanyakumari at least in three, four days. But here, I do not know. So, this keeps on going and going. Kruhitvayetani <clears throat> sanyadi. And nobody is for Swamiji. When the death takes place, we don't see the self-living. So Lord Krishna gives an example. Vayur gandhani vashayat. Like the wind carrying the odor. How the wind goes from one place to that carries odor with it. Similarly also the self carries odor. The subtle body carries odor of all the karmas along with it and goes to another embodiment. <coughs> The idea is that whenever, so this is a very clear description of the, what we call the rebirth, you know. This is a very clear description of the birth, the transmigration process. Not only one birth, there are a series of births taking place. That's the reason why the samsara tree was called avyayam. It was said to be imperishable or is never ending, inexhaustible, undecaying, because this process will go on unless something is done about it. <coughs> What does he do? When he acquires an embodiment, what does this fellow do? The ninth verse tells us. Shrotram chakshus parshanancha Shrotram chakshus parshanancha Rasanam ghranam evacha Rasanam ghranam evacha Adishthaya manaschayam Adishthaya manaschayam Vishayanupasevate Shrotram Chakshuhu Sparshanam Cha Rasanam Ghranam Evacha That just describes the five organs of perception. Shrotram, the faculty of hearing. Chakshuhu, the faculty of seeing. Sparshanam, the faculty of touch. Rasanam, the faculty of smell. Ghranam, the faculty of, rasanam, faculty of taste. And Ghranam, the faculty of smell. And manascha and the mind, of course. Adhishthaya. So when he comes to this embodiment, what does he do? Using all of these organs of perception in the mind, vishayanupasevade, he experiences variety of objects. That's what he does. So having taken an embodiment, he is born with all the baggage, with all the samskaras, with all the tendencies, each one is born. That's the reason why each one is born with the collection of likes and dislikes. Not that we accumulate now, we carry a lot of baggage with us of likes and dislikes also. Of course our parents may have given us a few more, that's possible. But parents have not given us everything. We brought a lot of things that the poor parents can give whatever they want. Still, sometimes parents take all the care to raise the child as best as they can. And still Swamiji, what did I do? Why is my son like this? Why is my daughter like that? Parents really feel so guilty. They feel so bad. How they fail in parenting their children. I said, look, a parent is like a gardener. What can a gardener do? He takes a seed and sows it in the soil. And then provides all the necessary care in terms of water and manure and whatever is required. The plant is protected, the plant is tended, it is supported, everything that is done. And still, Swamiji, you know, all the work that I did, and still I just have a lemon tree which is so bit, so sour. What can you do? That's what was in the seed. Regardless of what. But it cannot inject the potential. It comes with itself. So, so what the parents can do is to tend the child. But regardless of what best we do still, the child comes with his own samskaras. And therefore, if each one of his samskaras also includes all the likes and dislikes, because it's not that likes and dislikes become manifest when I become twenty, they are manifest even at the age of one. Even the small children also have very distinct, you know, likes and dislikes, you know, and so some, sometimes even anger and things like that are also quite clear there. 
Of course, then scientists will say it is because of the father, you know, the genes and whatever it is. But we would say that it is because of what he has brought with him. But Swamiji, how do you explain? The scientists only trace everything to genes and you trace everything to karma. So how, how do you explain? The only thing we can say is that the karma brings him to a set of parents where there is a matching, you know, because his karma will bring him to an environment which is only compatible to his nature. Therefore, he gets born to a, to a parent or to parents where there is compatibility of nature. It's not that the parents have imparted in the nature. It is that he has brought this nature with himself and parents only become just nimitta, become instrumental in just bringing him to life, to manifestation. This is what we say. Uh, but anyway, so that's why, the, and what does he do after coming here? He uses all the organs of perception to experience variety of objects. Organs of action to acquire things. Uses the mind to gain variety of experiences. This is what he does. It is also, this is our day-to-day life. Vishayan Upasevate. He enjoys or experiences variety of objects. Different people do it differently because their samskaras are different. Samskaras means the tendencies, the, the past, you know, the baggage is all different. That's why everybody given the same environment, same parents are there and six children are there somewhere. Each one of them is different. Even though parents give them the same kind of care and say every child turns out different because as we said, they have, the, they bring with them. The, that doesn't mean the parents have no responsibility. I'm not saying that they have no responsibility. Or that the parents cannot, you know, they can help or hurt the child also. Over and above what he has brought, the parents do supply some more. And that way they can help the child or hurt the child is possible. But still, everything the child is there is not because of parents. <coughs> Continuing with that, the tenth verse is, Utkramantam sthitam vapi Utkramantam sthitam vapi Bhunjanam vagunanvitam Bhunjanam vagunanvitam Vimudhananu pasyanti Vimudhananu pasyanti Pasyanti jnana chakshushaha Pasyanti jnana chakshushaha Utkramantam While leaving this body Sthitam vapi While deciding in this body Bhunjanamva, while experiencing various things, Gunanvitam, or while identified with the gunas, means the tendencies of the mind, dispositions of mind. So in short, all the various activities are performed by whom? By Brahman. Who does all this? Who experiences the various objects? Who is good and bad? Who has brought all the samskaras? Who is all the peculiarities of the personality? Who is that? Brahman. Swami is criminal, Brahman. The saint, Brahman. The sinner, Brahman. The doctor, Brahman. An engineer, Brahman. Young, Brahman. Old, Brahman. Man, woman, young, old, whatever it is. Even plants and creatures, insects, whatever it is, all of these. Even chair and table, whatever that is, is nothing but Brahman. Therefore, Using the organs of perception in the mind, the one who experiences the various objects of the world, who is that? Nothing but Brahman. Who departs from the body? Brahman. Who enters the body? Brahman. And who does all the vyavahara? Who gets identified with the mind? Brahman. Who suffers the pain? Brahman. So when the mind is in pain, I say I am in pain. Mind is happy, I say I am happy. When the body is old, I say I am old. Body is tall, I say I am tall. Body is sick, I say I am sick. That's called gunanvitam, identifying with the gunas. As I said earlier, this personality is a product of the gunas. The gross body is a product of the tamoguna. The organs of action and prana are product of rajoguna. The organs of perception and mind are product of sattvaguna. So gunanvitam, identifying with this gunas, identifying with the personality, he experiences all of this. Who? Nothing but himself. Nothing but the self, which is Brahman. Idea is he's so close to us. He's our very self. And we are mom and we are aware of it every moment. 
In fact, he be so close and we are never away from it. And therefore, there must be all the opportunity to know him. Vimudaha nanupashyandi. And still, those who are Vimudaha, diversely deluded. Nanupashyandi, do not see him. We don't have to go any place to see Brahman or God. Where do we need to go? To ourselves. But unfortunately, mind is not with myself. Mind is Vimudham. The idea is that it is Vividhena Mudham, variously deluded. Drashta drashta vishaya bhoga balakrasya chetastaya. The poor mind is all the time running away, attracted. Ishta vishaya, desirable object, runs after that. Undesirable, runs away from it. Runs after, runs away. Runs after, runs away. Thus the mind, on account of this, ignorance, and on account of all these notions born of ignorance, on account of all the complexes born of ignorance, on account of sense of hollowness and smallness born of ignorance, keeps on running after things to try to become free from their smallness, and therefore doesn't pay attention to where that is, where the real solution is. Just looking in a different place. Uh, you know, that we tell this story every time, the story of that old woman, old woman and the needle. How this old woman once in the evening, in her hut, dropped a needle while she was doing some stitching work, dropped the needle. Outside the hut, there is a street lamp, a lamp post. And she started searching for a needle in the light of the lamp post. And somebody was passing by and saw this old woman searching for a needle and asked her, Oh ma'am, what are you looking for, amma? I'm looking for my needle. Can you help me? He says, yes. So he also started. He also joined the search for the needle. And somebody else was passing by. That person also joined. And soon we had half a dozen fellows all searching for the needle. That time a young boy happens to pass by and sees all these fellows and he comes to his old woman and says, Amma, what is it? What happened? What are you searching for? Beta, my needle is... I lost my needle. Can you help me? Sure, I'll help you. Amma, where did you drop the needle? Inside. Inside the head. <laughs> Why are you looking out here? Because there is light here. Let's find look out here. When can she find the needle? Never. So poor minds is light everywhere. Happiness here. Happiness there. Happiness. Light of happiness. Security. So forth and so on. Therefore, let's call the reflected happiness. The glitter of happiness. Sometimes a piece of glass shines even more, glitters even more than diamond, you know that? Kachartam vismutam ratnam. And therefore, sometimes ratna, the precious stone, is, 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 is ignored on account of the glass, piece of glass that is so shy, is glittering. So also the world of objects seems to glitter with happiness and therefore, mind keeps running after it. And, in fact, ignoring, overlooking, in fact, uh, insulting its own self, which is the source of that happiness. Upanishad calls it Ayekecha Atmahanujanaha. So these are people who hurt themselves, who kill themselves or hurt themselves. Thus, this mind, because of ignorance, Vimudaha, running after the objects of the world, running away from oneself, that's what we are doing. Every time I am with myself, I feel uncomfortable, therefore I do something to run away from myself. That uncomfortable self, I don't want to deal with it, and therefore I run away. And therefore all the activities of seeking sense pleasure, nothing but escape distracts, escaping from one's own self. If I really was with myself, there would be no need to go any place. The fact that I am running, I am going and doing things, that shows I am escaping from myself. Self-escape, again because of ignorance. And I don't blame, just as that old woman found darkness in her heart, so also when I look at myself, there is only darkness. That's the reason why I go out to the world where there appears to be light. Vimudaha, Nanupashyanti, and therefore these people who are so variously deluded, they do not see the self, which is ever shining, which is the very, which is the very self of the one who is enjoying. So I am karta, I am a doer, I am an enjoyer. So doer, what the very self of the doer enjoys, what it is. And still, I am searching for it outside, therefore don't find it. Pashyanti Jnana Chakshushaha However, those with eye of knowledge, Jnana Chakshushaha, with eye of knowledge, they see. 
That's called the third eye of Lord Shiva. That's the eye of knowledge from which fire emerges and turns to ashes. That Kamadeva. Kamadeva is Cupid. Kama is avidya kama karma. Kama stands for avidya. Then. Kama of the desire is a direct product of ignorance. So when Lord Shiva's fire emerging from his third eye, when it turns to ashes, that kama is nothing but the avidya. That is why this is the fire of knowledge. Pashyandi jnana chakshusha. Those who acquired the eye of knowledge. With the what? The eye of the knowledge is the eye of the scriptures. Pramana janita jnana chakshusha. Pramana. Those who see with the eye of these Upanishads. When I see through the eye of ignorance, of course, all that is there is nothing but diversity, duality. And desirable and undesirable. When I see, look through the eye of the Upanishad, then there is nothing but Brahman. And that is nothing but my own self. Pashyanti jnana chakshusha. So those who have this eye of knowledge, they see as the very self who is a doer and enjoyer, the very nature of him, see as Brahman. <coughs> the same thing is said in the eleventh verse. This Jnana Chakshusha, with eye of knowledge, explaining that a little further. Yatanto yoginas chainam Yatanto yoginas chainam Pashyantyatmanyavasthitam Pashyantyatmanyavasthitam Yatanto pyakritatmanaha Yatanto pyakritatmanaha Nainam pashyantya chetasaha Nainam pashyantya chetasaha Yatantaha yoginaha chainam Atmanyavasthitam pashyanti The yogis who are yatantaha Who are striving, who are diligent Enam pashyanti See this one as existing in themselves, as their own self, as shining as the very self in their own mind. So yogis who have a mind which is an abiding mind, that's called a yogi. So yogi is the one who enjoys a mastery over the mind, one who enjoys, one who has a mind that is an abiding upon the self, and is that mind that can see the self. So my mind must be focused what to whatever I want to see. If I want to see the self, it must be focused upon the self. If I want to see the world, it must be focused upon the world. So, yatanta yoginaha, the yogis who have achieved, acquired that self-abiding mind. Atmayavastitam pashyanti, they see the self as shining in their own heart, in their own intellect. Yatantopi akritatmanaha, however those akritatmanaha, those people asamskritatmanaha, whose atma or the mind is not samskritam, is not pure. So those with impure mind, na pasyanti, they do not see. Yatantobi, even though they are striving. Even though they are doing shravanam, listening to scriptures, mananam, reflection, trying to meditate, they do everything. But a samskritatmanaha, those whose mind is not prepared, those who do not have a pure mind, duscharitat anuparataha, those who do not desist from duscharita, duscharita means papa karma. So those people who do not desist from uh, from unbecoming actions. That means when the life is does not reflect what it is that I am seeking. So those who still do not desist from adharma, that means those who still, uh, the adharma, the unrighteousness, keeps on getting reflected in home. Anuparata, ashanta, darpatmana, those whose mind is ashantam, that is restless. Darpa, Darpa means a lot of arrogance. So people having pride, arrogance, a lot of restlessness inside, and those people, therefore, who do not even get committed to the life of Dharma, and therefore those whose mind is extrovert, they do not see the self, even though they try. Meaning thereby that it is not only enough that we listen to the scriptures, even study the scriptures, but there must be also a way of life that is compatible to theirs. Only with a compatible way of life, those who have gained the emotional maturity, or antahakanshuddhi, the purified mind, they say, those who have not purified the mind, in spite of striving, they do not say. Thus Lord Krishna said, how? That self, that Brahman is my very self, closer than the closest, and that can be seen with samskrutatma, meaning with a mind that enjoys samskara or purification. <coughs> okay.
ಪೂರ್ಣಮದೂರ್ಣಮಿದ ಪೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದೇ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವ ವಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೌಪುನಃಪುನಃರೋಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ 